Well, welcome back to Let's Talk About It, where there are conversations that spread love, shed light, and celebrate freedom. Today, I'm really excited to have a conversation with my friend, Jory. Uh, I've known her for a few years, but I am super excited because I think there's a lot that we're going to have discussion about today that honestly, I haven't even heard firsthand myself. Um, and we're, I'm just excited to hear all that God's done um, through her and just what her life looked like prior to Jesus and where she's walking now with him. Um, so without further ado, um, my friend Jory here, I, I really admire the fact that she genuinely carries around the joy of the Lord. And um, there's just a light about her that you feel when you're in her presence. And I am so excited to be able to share that with you today. Well, hello. I am <laughs> super excited to be on this podcast. I have never been on a podcast before, but I'm always on my social media talking to people. So thankfully, it doesn't feel super awkward. I'm sure I'll get there at some point <laughs> yeah. and be like, finger guns. <laughs> um, but I, I'm very honored to be able to be on this podcast. And I definitely love Amanda very much and also have seen a lot of things that God has done in her life, but definitely not scratched the surface and everything that it is, but definitely like a powerful woman of God. And I can tell that like, she's very in tune with the spirit. And um, it's something that I admire and like to take in my own life. Um, Thanks, girl. I'm so, so awkward with her. <laughs> Thank goodness we're not on video because I'm like squirming. Yeah. Like, this is so uncomfortable. I <laughs> love complimenting people who hate compliments because I also don't know what to do when people compliment me. I'm just like, uh-huh. Okay. Danielle tends to tell me, she's like, I see you. I think it was, no, it was Jessica. I was like coloring a turtle the, a couple weeks ago and she's like, why'd you choose the turtle? I, like, I have no idea. She's like, I feel like there's something going on here. And then she like, she's like, that's what it is like you turn into a turtle and like those oh. moments where like i don't want to be the center of attention You're like so, i'm in my shell yeah so literally me. yep um when i think about my testimony i i really think about like being 13 and that's when i really started to wonder like okay well what am i here for like what is life about what is what is anything which i think a lot of teenagers do and for me, the biggest thing that I decided was like, I want to be loved. I didn't know like what that meant. Mm -hmm. um, I had not a great relationship with my dad. Uh, he was, he came from a very abusive foster home and thankfully it didn't carry over into physical abuse, like for our relationship, but he was definitely very emotionally and ver mm -hmm. verbally abusive. Um, it, and it, really confused me as a kid because there would be days where like he'd be screaming at me and lecturing me and um like calling me names and then the next day it would be like I love you I'm sorry that I did that and then the following day would be the screaming and lecturing and then the day after that would be I love you I'm sorry that I did that and it created this cycle in my brain that it's okay if people treat me any sort of way as long as they apologize and tell me that they love me Oof. so my understanding of love at 13 was very skewed and I just knew that I wanted more than what I had gotten, like from my dad. And I explored the internet as teens do, like look, trying to find connection, trying to find something. And um, I decided that I was bisexual. So I came out to my mom and I was like, hey, I like boys and girls. And she was like, no, you don't. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> and I was like, you don't know my life. And, you know, I actually was just talking to one of my friends about how when you're a teenager, you think you know literally everything and you know nothing. <laughs> and but you're like fully convinced that you know yes. and they just don't understand you. So Yes. I'm like, if I could go back and say anything, I'd be like, Jory, just stop talking. And apologize to your mom like 10,000 times. Yeah, I've been there, done that. Yes. Um, and so that that time in my life, I was like, all right, well, I'm bisexual. Then that like made me different. And people at school weren't like, okay, like, that's cool that you're bisexual. Like, people at school bullied me because I was fat. And um, all of the popular people wore like Hollister and like, I don't know, the Abercrombie. M M Abercrombie. That thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of those things, which and literally like was not—they're not made for like any plus-sized person no. at all. At all, I remember I wasn't like 
abnormally larger than most but Mm -hmm. I remember like going there and some of the girls being like double zeros and I was like Mm -hmm. my leg would fit (laughs) in these pants so here we are (laughs) yes and that that's like what was pretty that was what was popular like and if you weren't that then nobody really cared um and so I I was quickly realizing like home wasn't a safe space, school wasn't a safe space, but the internet was a safe space for me because nobody really saw me, nobody Mm -hmm. like really knew me. And it was easy for people to just like see my personality and care about that. And um, because of that, like feeling like nowhere was safe, I ended up taking a lot of like the pain and, and stuff that I had out on my body, like physically. And I knew that it wasn't right. Like, I, I'm still being 13, I took scissors and I, like, nipped at my skin. And I came to my mom and I was like, hey, I've been doing this and I think I need to see a doctor. And my mom, I love her to death. She literally would do anything for her kids. She's just a workhorse. So her upbringing was like super, super poor. So her thought process of parenting was like, well, I have to provide. So she like went to nursing school. She was working overnight. She was just constantly working to provide for our family because my dad couldn't really keep a job. So, and not only that, like the rest of our family, like her siblings and stuff all also counted on her a lot. So she just wasn't very present. And I don't blame her because I don't think she purposely like ignored me, but she was like, yeah, we're going to go to the doctor. We're going to figure it out. But we never did. Um, And it just got worse to the point where I was like, excuse me, I was taking um, like the razors that you shave with and I would break them so that I could get to like the actual blade to cut myself with. And it was something that I would like look forward to like coming out of school because it was like I could feel something other than like the mental torment or like the just aching pain that I felt in my chest of not being accepted of not being loved of like nobody really knowing who I was um and fast forward to like I think I was about 14 or 15 um my dad and I had gotten into a pretty big argument which was common in the house and um I ate my mashed potatoes before I ate my peas is what caused this argument which it just sounds so ridiculous um and the argument went to well he called me fatso and so I went into my room and I cut myself pretty deep and my mom was like trying to come in my room and I was like hey I just have a headache like I'm stressed out can you bring me a washcloth the washcloth was not for my head it was to clean up and she saw my arm and um it was like a whole fiasco she called the ambulance and I got sent to the hospital we were there overnight um I ended up in outpatient services so like they took me out of school for I think like two weeks maybe and I was like getting all my schoolwork at the hospital but I had to be there from like seven to three I was diagnosed with like depression anxiety insomnia um they set me up with like a therapist when I would come out and it was just like nonstop watch. Like if I was in the hospital, people were always watching me. If I was home, like they were watching me and I still, even with like getting what the world would call help, didn't feel like anybody understood. I didn't feel like anything was being solved. Like in those, in that moment. Um, and I know like this is heavy for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Um, and I think it should be. I'm not, I don't want to make that any lighter than because it's, it is. And, um, the Lord's heart on that as well is like, it's break, it, it's broken yeah. over it. And I think that people need to hear that as well. Like if you're walking through this, even now, the Lord is heartbroken mm-hmm. over this. And this is something that he really, I mean, I'm so grateful that you found him. Mm-hmm. I, it also, in those moments, it's like, I would love even to have you at some point, if you haven't already, like sit with the Lord and ask him, like, where were you in those moments and see what his response is, you know, like many times he, I mean, he's always there. We know that even prior to our salvation. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, like I've done that in my past trauma and circumstances, not anything in similarity, Mm -hmm. but his response to that was like mind blowing to me Mm -hmm. and like just deepen my relationship with him even more. Mm -hmm. Um, But aside from that, in those moments, do you feel like um, 
what is your inner child? And I'm not using this in like a worldly standpoint, but like what is – if there's someone right now going through this, what do you – what would you recommend even to the parents as being something that would be beneficial or something – quite frankly, like my children are young and Mm -hmm. thank God, like I'm actually so grateful for this conversation as in like wisdom and knowledge to like walk through these years and prayerfully, I don't ever have to experience that with them, but being proactive in that, what would that look like for you? Um, I really think that it just would have started with like better communication and a better relationship, like with my parents. Um, so if I were to like speak to parents, I'm not a parent at all. I have like parented nieces and stuff like that, but I would say like, just really, really value your children and like, let them know, even, even when they mess up, even when they do dumb stuff, like let them know that's dumb. Don't do that again. Let them know why not to do that again, but also let them know that just because you're not happy with what they did or not happy with the way that they spoke or whatever, that that doesn't change how much you love them. Like that doesn't affect that. They're still so valuable to you. Um, and as like a teenager or a kid or any really age, like if that's something that you're going through, it's very easy to think that I'm the only person going through this and you're not, And it's not in a sense of like, well, let me find a community of other people who we can just wallow together and be sad together and stuff like that. But just know that you don't have to live with heavy things like that. And and when there's such an attack on your life, it's because there's such a purpose for your life. Um, And there, it, it, it's easy to listen to like whatever's in your head. Like, well, you're, it would be better if you weren't here or you don't look like people want you to look, you're not worthless or you're worthless. You're not smart. Like there, you're not going to accomplish anything. Nobody would even notice if you were gone. Those are lies that come straight from the enemy because ultimately when, even if it's a parent that like isn't present or hasn't been good to you, like they wouldn't ever say something like that to you. And if they have people who actually value you, people who understand like the purpose of life, they're never going to be like, hey, you're ugly and stupid and there's no purpose for you to be here. And I think the other thing that's so important to realize as well, and this comes with, for me personally, it came with maturity Mm -hmm. for myself, emotional maturity, Mm -hmm. is seeing that even if there are people that spoke those things to me, Mm it came from a really deep place of hurt within them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not condoning that Mm -hmm. by any stretch of the imagination, but when you're, especially once you walk with the Lord, there's a compassion that comes over you Mm -hmm. for the hurt of other people that they're carrying that Mm -hmm. they don't know what to do with. And I obviously like, unfortunately in those situations, you're their outlet. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. And it's okay to have boundaries mm-hmm. and to make that clear and to tell people who you know you can trust mm-hmm. so that there is honestly like a voice is so important. Yeah. No matter what that looks like, if you don't feel like you have one with your parents, mm-hmm. find somebody that gives you a voice. Yeah. Because the biggest thing the enemy wants to take down is your voice. Mm-hmm. And when you're stuck in isolation, and I'm sure you can attest to this, mm-hmm. when you're stuck in isolation and you're in this place where the enemy is continuously lying to you, he thrives on lack of conversation, the things that are unspoken, because there's no light there. The minute that that word, those words that are within you are spoken, they're exposed Mm -hmm. and God can move in those things. Mm -hmm. But when you keep those within yourself, it gives the enemy a playground. Mm -hmm. And that's the I mean, if I, if there's even from somebody who hasn't experienced this, but I've experienced enough torment in mentally in my life, mm-hmm. if there's any advice I give in that situation, it's get it out to somebody you can trust. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course, to the Lord. But I think in these situations, it's very important for accountability with mm-hmm. another individual as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like that was something that I was searching for. That's why yeah. I was on the internet and stuff because yeah. I couldn't find it at school. I couldn't find it at home. I have siblings, but they're all way older than me. So mm-hmm. by the time I was seven, they were out of the house. So we didn't really have much of a relationship. To, I couldn't be like, hey, brother, can this is what's going on right now. Like okay. I don't have a cell phone. I don't, you yeah. know. Um, but I, I think of like when um, 
when what is when like lions attack or mm-hmm. any sort of big animal when they attack they can't get what they want when whatever they're attacking is in a big group mm-hmm. but when something falls behind and they're able to isolate it and surround it that's when they can kill it and that's similar to like what you were saying where if the enemy can isolate you and choke you out and you don't have anybody around you to lift you up like it it could potentially be game over right there have been times where like i've had a bunch of pills in my hands or like tried to figure out how i could stop being alive and those were super dark times like i i remember writing in my closet wall that i wanted to die and had I not had such such a purpose by God that I had no idea of at that point, like it, I could have given up. What What were those in those moments that like you felt at your darkest? What do you think it was that broke through that? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, whether that hindsight or like in that moment or what have you, yeah. Um, where was that hope? I guess for you, I think in a funny way it lied. It laid in fear. Because what if I didn't do it right? And then like I had to like live through people knowing that I tried to kill myself or Mm -hmm. there was just like some part of me that was like, no, your mom would be really sad. Like you would break your mom's heart if you did that. And I loved my mom. I, again, like she wasn't super present, but I knew that she loved me and she was doing the best that she could as a mom for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like that. And that like really pulled me through, but I made the decision like when I was 14 that I would, I'd get to 18, I would graduate and then I wasn't their problem anymore. So then I didn't have to live. So that was like the, that was it for me. Like 18 was good. I got through school. My mom was able to take care of me. I don't have to live because for what, like I, I, I'm not loved. I'm not valued. Nobody listens to me. Nobody cares about me. People make fun of me. Like I, can't even have a relationship with my dad. Um, so I didn't want to live. And I actually, I was just talking with my mom. Um, did you have a question? No, you're good. Okay. Uh, I was talking with my mom a couple of weekends ago and she was talking to me about the process of having me. Um, she was previously in a relationship with somebody who was very abusive before my dad and he would rape her. And she ended up with four kids by the time she was 22. So she got her tubes tied. Um, And they were tied for, I think, like maybe 10 years or so before her and my dad decided that they wanted to have a child. So she went through almost two years of like testing. And um, one of the things that she said had to be done was like they had to put this thing like in her uterus to stretch it out. And she said that that in up into her life right now, I think she's like 64 she has never felt pain like that ever in her life. And she still moved forward, had the surgery, had her tubes untied. There was a huge chance that it would be like a fallopian pregnancy. And she really wanted another girl because she had my sister and then she had three boys. And then here I am. And she's telling me this story. And I was like, it was really hard not to cry because I was thinking about, wow, my mom did all that stuff to have me. And how hard did the enemy like try to make me take my own life? And just how much more of a purpose does God have for me for him to try so hard? Even as a kid, I didn't know anything about purpose. I didn't know anything about, I I knew about religion, but I didn't know about relationship with God. So, well, and I think too, and when, so I've been sitting with this thought, I really believe that like what it came down to when you say like, I knew my mom loved me, you were experiencing the love of Jesus through her without identifying it as such. Mm-hmm. And it, from my understanding, she was giving it without identifying that that was essentially what she was giving to you. Yeah. And I think, I mean, in so many ways, like even the parents that try the hardest still fall short in that. Mm-hmm. And so it's just so incredible to me to see God's grace and his mercy in those situations because it just goes to show you the power of the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that to me is just like obviously invaluable and I, I mean, I know that now walking it out, but you seeing his hand on those situations up until that point. And the fact that you, as a child, like 
you go through all of these logistics of like, you're still worrying about all the people around you, even though Mm -hmm. you're the kid, Mm -hmm. right? Like the fact that you were like, yeah, at 18, like then they don't, Mm -hmm. when you take a step back, it's like, what? Like (laughs) out of all the things that you're going through, like Mm -hmm. still you're an your innate response is to care and love those that loved you so dearly. And I think that I'm curious, even in the, cause you said you went after like the whole bisexual community and mm-hmm. believing that that was going to fulfill your identity mm-hmm. is what you were searching for. I assume what, what did that essentially provide you with? I mean, I, from the spiritual side of things, right? Like I'm, looking at all of this and I'm like, okay, like there's clearly the enemy is working overtime. It's a spiritual attack on your life. He is afraid mm-hmm. of what you're going to do in the kingdom of God once the Lord gets a hold of you the way he has now. Mm-hmm. And we've seen the fruit of that. Um, but also too, we also have to think if, if, if your family watches mm-hmm. what God's going to do through you, then it's not only that the enemy is losing you. Mm-hmm. He knows the people that are attached to you. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, and I think this is huge in all of this, because I do think that the LGBTQ community um, is part of those people that are attached to you. Mm-hmm. And I say that not lightly, but I think that as a, I know that as a church, not as our church individually, but mm-hmm. I'm saying the body of Christ. Yeah. We've done a very poor job Mm -hmm. at making them feel loved. Mm -hmm. And because I think we fear that they're going to believe that we're condoning Mm -hmm. their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But the reality of it is, is the Lord died for them just as much as he did for us. And that sin is sin is sin. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let you speak on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think that I am a product. I, I am a product of experiencing both the grace of people who understand that truth has to be given with love, but also people who don't understand that truth has to be given with love. So like I said, we were pretty religious, not to the fact of going to church, but my dad would like read the Bible with us all the time. Um, and we would pray and we would say grace and, you know, we, I had to be afraid of God but I didn't understand that that was an awe and a reverence of how great he was. I thought that that was like a fear of God, like a fear of my dad. Yeah. And so when I came out to my dad and at that point I was, I decided I was like, no, I'm just a lesbian. Like I don't want to be with men. Um, he didn't speak to me for two days. And then it was like world war 74 in, <laughs> in my, um, jewelry always making light of like, <laughs> come in with a joke to lighten the mood for a second. Yes. It was like full blown, you know, you're going to hell. God's going to curse you. Like you're stupid. God would, thought that like you would be smarter than this and um like pretty much disowned me as his daughter and that changed absolutely nothing in my heart if anything it made me want to be more rebellious it made me want to be like bad word you dad I don't give a heck (laughs) and um so I just went even harder like I did take a a brief period of time where I was like, you know, I do want like acceptance from my dad. And I started talking to a guy and was like, well, maybe if I get a boyfriend, my dad will love me. Um, I ended up this earning love y'all. I, but I, I mean, mm, okay. (laughs) Um, this, this could go deeper. I'm just going to try to hit it as as light as I can, but I ended up being sexually assaulted by this person. And, um, my dad's response was, that's too bad. He was a good looking kid. And if you could see my face right now, like (laughs) I understand we're not on video, but like, yeah. So that was wild to me. Um, and that's how I was like, all right, well, you know what? I tried it. I'm done. Like I, I don't, I don't want that. And let me take for a second, even with her dad in that perspective, like I'm not blaming him in the way of like, I genuinely believe he thought what he was doing. I mean, we all like, right. Grace. Mm -hmm. And we also have to realize like there is a very real enemy that's using the words that Mm -hmm. we're not guarding well Mm -hmm. when we're speaking to our children or to others in general. Um, 
And those can be used as weapons. And I think that that's generally what happened. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sitting here trashing her, his dad, her dad in any way. It's just, wow. Like that as a child, mm-hmm. um, especially after experiencing a trauma that you absolutely didn't deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I don't, that's all I got on that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to like comprehend saying something like that. And I've gotten also yeah. to the point where like understanding that he, his life as a kid was so skewed and he made the choices that he made that ultimately resulted in who he is and how he reacts yeah. has given me a place of like, I can forgive him mm. because it, it, I've done not great stuff either. And I've been forgiven and I, and I, I can't imagine going through the things that he went through either. And what I would have done and how I would have coped without yeah. having a support system. Yeah. Um, but to, to kind of like go back yeah. in, I just really was like, all right, well, girls understand emotions, like whatever, this is what I'm going to do. And I really, I only dated women from like 13 to 20. And um, I was, I think I was about 18 or 19 when I was in a relationship with this girl and we, we lived together with my parents and my dad was just (laughs) very oblivious. Um, and we were together for about three years and I decided to go to church with my mom for Easter and we were not a church going family, but it was like, Hey, it's Easter. Let's go to church and worship started. And I sobbed. And unfortunately, the church didn't really teach on like the Holy Spirit or have an altar call of salvation or anything like that. But I knew that something felt different Mm -hmm. and I wanted to keep going. So my girlfriend and I were going to to church together, going to like young adults groups together. And eventually, like I started to feel like I'm not I don't think I'm supposed to be with this person. Mm -hmm. And I went to the young adult pastor and I was like, hey, this is how I'm feeling, but I don't understand because in my brain, God is love. And if I love somebody, then that can't be wrong because it's love. And he said to me, which I think this is super, like it was a pivotal moment in my life. And he was like, well, you're feeling conviction, which comes when the Holy Spirit is present. So what you're doing is good. And I'm not going to tell you what decisions to make in your life, I am going to tell you to continue to read his word and continue to seek his face. Ooh, and I have goosebumps all <laughs> over me. That's really what Come on. Like, I think that we – I'm trying not to cry. Yeah. I think that when we think that we have to speak love with truth, mm-hmm. we think that we need to thump people with scriptures mm-hmm. – that we believe apply to whatever it is they're walking through. Yeah. Which really all that is, is judgment placed on them by man that brings condemnation over conviction. Now, does that mean that the Holy Spirit can't work through that in certain circumstances? No. Right. Uh, But it's also crazy because it, it takes me a step back. And I had a situation where I was speaking to someone with scripture and like, just kind of like, we talk. We call it Christianese, where mm-hmm. you're talking in language that people outside of church are not gonna understand. I have no idea right. what you're saying. Right, literally. <laughs> and she literally said to me, like, "It sounds like you just copied the base of your pastor." And I was like, eh, "Okay, <laughs> well, but the but the truth is, it was it was not until I started speaking from my heart and was authentic with what I like the genuine." authentic self that Mm -hmm. I cared about her Mm -hmm. that she began to like be receptive to Mm -hmm. what it was I was saying. And I was, it like threw me for a loop for a minute. Cause I was like, but it's it, when you're walking with the Lord, Mm -hmm. the Holy spirit is then using you in those moments, whether you're using his word or not. Now don't get me wrong. His word is still very important. I'm not saying that, but in this situation, the way that was hit, I, I, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And how different would people respond if that was our reaction? Yeah. I think it's like, it's easy to be like, well, First Corinthians 13, 17 says. Right. Which, okay. It, you already stopped. Like I stopped listening. Like if I'm thinking about who I was, like, all right, she's going to tell me about the Bible and she's going to tell me men and women should be the only ones that lay together and it's not right for this. And da, 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 da. Like this is where I'm at and you're, right. you're quoting your scripture. 
versus you can give people Bible without giving them like, this is what the Bible says and just kind of like summarize whatever it is because the word is always going to do what it's set out to do. Correct. It's always going to transform um, people who allow it to transform them. But even like with what he had said to me, I can't think of a direct correlation of scripture of like, or maybe even actually like Matthew six thirty three, like seeking the kingdom of the yes. like seeking his face, keep, keep running after the Holy spirit, keep reading his word. Yeah. Like the word is what brings life and to not feel condemnation from somebody. And I still dated her for another seven months and nobody treated me like an outcast or different or anything. I actually have like, y'all, we went out to dinner together. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Oh no, that's a different relationship. Oh yes. Okay. Well, yes. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> um, so this one, I actually have a journal of like seven months of me asking God, like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do. I feel like I'm not supposed to be with her, but I feel like I love her. Like what help me, right? Help me. Gotcha. And we ended up breaking up. Um, And then I really like ran after God. And then I kind of fell back because I had like a falling out with um, like the leadership in my life. But ultimately, I would say like for the LGBTQ community, it's so frustrating to see people who call themselves Christians say things like God hates fags. You're going to hell. Turn or burn center. Like all of these things. It's the goodness of God that brings people yes, to repentance. It's true. You aren't e- even re- like regardless of yeah. like faith or like biblical stuff, yeah. you're not going to get anybody to do anything nope. at all by being mean to them. Yeah. I I even think of like the world's version of like that would be you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. I just heard that quote. This like last week for the first time. No, yes. it's true. But it's quite frankly, it's also biblical. Yes. Um, without them knowing <laughs> that it is. But it's it's true because we man, but what is that really? Right? Like really, that's pride mm-hmm. that's showing up. Mm-hmm. There's the lack of humility and heart mm-hmm. in that because you're already putting yourself on a seat of judgment of this person in their life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any, I don't, I think, I hope, I pray people don't do it intentionally. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if we're being honest, even in this region, mm-hmm. we, my number one prayer is like, Lord, give us the tools and the direction and the instruction mm-hmm. to break into the hearts that have hardened themselves towards you. Mm-hmm. And it's not, Here's the thing, right? They've hardened themselves towards God because of man. Mm-hmm. It's not because of anything God has ever done to them. Yeah. It is literally because of man. And Lord, help me to never be one of those people. I mean, I'm sure I will, unbeknownst to me or like unintentionally. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people that are they're just – I don't ever want someone to be offended – of God without actually seeing his face before it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because we, I mean, if you're claiming Christianity, so you're now being a representative of God. Yeah. So now if this person has never experienced anybody else who knows quotations here, knows the Lord, (laughs) you're the only thing that they experience of God. And if that's, Hey, God hates you. Hey, you're going to hell hey, if you don't stop sinning, like you're going to burn forever. Now they look at God and they're like, oh, it's just this angry person who hates me. Right. Yeah, I want a relationship with them. Right. Like, no. I've had people ask, like, how do you, how are you supposed to like address people in the LGBT community? Like as somebody who's Christian, um, like a person probably, I would say, because whether it's somebody who's in that community or somebody who murdered 18 people yeah. or steals all the time, like, as you said earlier, sin is sin. It doesn't, it, it's so easy for people to be like, well, this is like the number one sin. Like, no. How would you talk to somebody if you were doing prison ministry? It's so funny. Cause I never thought about, and I'm going to be really real right now. Mm-hmm. We went and evangelized all over this city a couple weeks ago. Yeah for whatever reason, the LGBTQ community for me is very intimidating. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, would a murderer also be? I'm sure. <laughs> We're being real. Yes. But what we have to get back to, and I'm going to keep saying this, we have to align our hearts with the Lord. Because until we see that individual through the lens of Jesus, mm-hmm. we're going to probably get it wrong. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important for us to to ask the Lord, like, who who is this? and How do you see them? Mm-hmm. Like, show me, allow me to see these individuals. And I think that's important for anyone who wants to share the gospel yeah. in any situation. It doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. If we're sitting here with any sort of preconceived notion about who they are, we're already listening to something before we're even allowing them to speak. That's good. I think about, you know, the woman who was caught caught in adultery, right? Right. Like throwing her in the middle of everything like, well, Jesus, look what she did. Mm-hmm. And his response wasn't, well, yeah, um, she did do wrong. We should stone her because she sinned. But instead turning people's eyes back at themselves and not to say that like we shouldn't be guiding people in truth right but that if you're living in a lifestyle that doesn't set you apart that doesn't align with the lord that doesn't show that you're in relationship with jesus where do you have the audacity to come at somebody who's doing the exact same thing as you and might not know though like they don't That's the know difference, the Lord. right? Yeah. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. They don't have the Holy Spirit to to convict them of what they're doing. Well, and if we go back to the word, it says that once you know that something is wrong, it is then sin. Mm-hmm. So if they're in a place of not even fully understanding that revelation and that or the conviction, and they don't have that, it's condemnation. So a, you're not. It's not changing their heart exactly. And b. There's no, they don't see the savior as the savior anyway at that mm-hmm. point. And so therefore, like, what is there to turn to? Right. Rules and regulations, because that's what they see it as. It's like restriction. And if we stopped like preaching restriction to people, well, stop this. Don't do this. You can't do this. And started preaching freedom to people. Come on. Like, yes. Look what changes. Look yes. what falls off. Look yes. what you get. Look what the blessings are. Look at like all of the benefits of things. That's what also changes people. Like I'm not going to go to a job that tells me, hey, you can't have tattoos. You can't have brown hair. You can't wear black sneakers. You can't. I'm not going to that job. Right. I'm going to go to the job that's like, hey. Do you work hard? Yeah. All right. Show up and work hard. You'll get health care. You'll get paid every week. You'll get a 401k. Like I'm going to go to the things that benefit me, which kind of sounds selfish. But as people, we're always looking out for ourselves, even even for like the world. It's like self-love. What like do yeah. it's you above everybody else. Right. And even in the kingdom, like we're going to we seek Jesus because of what he gives to us. Right. Now we give back to him. Yeah. Like we serve him. We love him. We we do what he's called us to yeah. do. But that's because of love. But initially the first thing is salvation. We go to him to get something. Yeah. So I'm not going where I don't get what I want. Well, and, and let's also even in, and I'm not, sitting here making any assumptions Mm -hmm. as to what leads people into that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But looking even from your perspective, Mm -hmm. what would you say led you? I mean, you said you were looking for community and this and that. And yeah, but like, would you agree that it was the rules and all the other things that essentially were pushing you into that? Does that make sense? So like, for me, I look at it like, there's an underlying hurt mm-hmm. that already exists. So if you're not, we say this a lot. If if not somebody doesn't see their need for a savior, they're not going to go seeking one. Right. And so if they don't right now in their lifestyle, they see like, oh, we have freedom. We can do what we want. We did this, that, the other thing. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, everyone else might be telling us that we can't, but like who's stopping us, right? right. So we, like you said, like we have to make it, and I'm not saying going out there and like tickling the ears of people and like mm-hmm. all the things. And and it's this like glory, 
there's trials and tribulations that come with Christianity. Oh, for sure. But what brings a man to that place is the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. And I, I, just the fact that like sitting here and being like, I, I never thought about it in that way of like going to them and being like, this is the freedom that this brought to me mm-hmm. and allowing them to see that they're actually in bondage. Yeah. I- yeah. I think like when I think about it for myself, um, I, like I said, I was diagnosed with depression. I was diagnosed with anxiety, with insomnia and stuff. So I saw after what made me feel good and being with women made me feel good. Smoking weed made me feel good. Drinking alcohol made me feel good. Popping pills made me feel good. But there was an expiration. Yeah. Like it wasn't a continual like, well, I feel great. And now this solved all my problems. It was like, I'm riding this high with this girl, with this drug, with this drink, whatever. And then I hit to where I was in the beginning. Yeah. And now I have to go do those things again. And then I hit a rock again. And then I have to go do those things again. But then it was like, when I encountered Jesus, there was no like, okay, this ends now. Yeah. It wasn't like, well, the high of God like is coming down. The reality is you still have depression. You still have anxiety. Like this is encountering Jesus was <laughs> feeling like a, a high, which really I would account as joy now, but feeling a high that I didn't have to pay for, I didn't have to oh. give towards and couldn't be taken from me. If anything, the what was taken from me was the things that made me want to get there, like that made me want to get high that made me want to like to be with women to be loved to be seen whatever to be drunk to do whatever it was that I was doing like he took all of that stuff from me I I can't explain like the process of it because I'm not Jesus like I know technically sanctification whatever but that's like a Christianese thing again it's like I came to this man with nothing, nothing to offer him. And he looked at me and saw nothing but worth and nothing but value and took all of the things that I was carrying with me, things that I didn't even know that I was still carrying with me and replaced them with purpose and with love and with value and gave me people around me who truly cared about me and like truly just encouraged me and built me up built me up and continue to do so like and lead me I've since encountering the true Jesus not encountering people who say they're Christian not encountering people who like just read the Bible to me but since like truly encountering Jesus I can't I can't give you anything negative from that I can't have like a I just don't have anything bad from that like my life has changed completely and positively i've i just turned 28 come on (laughs) yes you're clapping for that a full 10 years past what you had originally said was like your cutoff yeah i i last week guys like days ago she literally just turned 28 Mm -hmm. and honestly like the life that she has ahead of her and like that she's living even now right we talked about yesterday like the now faith mm-hmm. versus the tomorrow like tomorrow's the future hope right mm-hmm. and that's where i think for so long we live in this future hope well someday it's gonna get better someday something will happen so once i get to x y and z in life like mm-hmm. things will change i i mean i remember I grew up in a family with religion and it was like, oh, well, once I get married and have children and buy a house, like Mm -hmm. then, but the reality of it was I got to that place Mm -hmm. and I remember being like, God, I did everything right and I still feel this way. Mm -hmm. Again, like a complete different reflection of it because when you're married to religion versus the relationship with Jesus, you're going to not feel that freedom and that joy Mm -hmm that you have when you actually have that true relationship with him. And it's like, 
it's such a blessing. I love nothing more than walking alongside other individuals Mm -hmm. and like watching their growth and the way that the Lord moves. And really, like you said, you can't sit there and be like, it was that one thing that I did that like changed everything other than accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, Mm -hmm. right? Like he gets the glory for all of it. Mm -hmm. I've even had situations in life where I, I mean, just recently where it's like, oh, well, if I act a certain way or say this right thing or do the right whatever, mm-hmm. then something is going to change. Mm-hmm. And he's constantly so graciously reminding me like, no, once you surrender this into my hands, then we can use this. Yeah. Um, and that's really, I mean, it comes down to you having the courage to surrender it to him and getting to that place where there was nothing left to lose. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Coming, coming here. Um, so my first day here was January 19th in 2020. Um, here is, <laughs> is my church. <laughs> You're like, okay, she came here. Where <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I came afraid and I remember sweating the entire time, but I had gotten to this place in my life of where I was in a relationship for like almost four years, but we were miserable. It was very toxic. And I, I heard for the four years that I had walked away from God, even when I was doing super sinful stuff, I always heard this still small voice to come back to him. And I would tell him like, I'll be back. I'll be back. And I came here. Praise God for his mercy and grace that you got to that place. Right. Mm -hmm. Because what I need you all to realize, and like, this is the reverence of the Lord right now, that I'll be back could have not been soon enough. Yeah. The four years flew by. Like when I look back at that time, I was like, I can't believe I wasted four years. Like I thought I was going to take this like short little hiatus from the Lord, have fun and then come back. But it took me away from him for four years. And what could I have done in those four years? I'm sure many things, but I'm not going to be like harping on that. I'm going to look at the fact that he saved me, Hmm. that he still saw me, even when I was walking so, so far from him. And I remember hearing the altar call. And that's the first time in my life I've ever heard an altar call. And hearing um, my pastor be like, you know, raise your hand if you want to accept Jesus. And the first thing in my mind was like, I'm surely not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, my hand's already in the air. Mind you, don't ever tell the Lord that you're not doing something because I genuinely think that he laughs at you. I really do. Oh, for sure. He's like, oh, you're not? Okay. (laughs) Um, My hand's already in the air. And then, of course, you know, he doesn't always do this, but sometimes he'll be like, and I want you to take another bold step to come up to the front um, and to pray a prayer of salvation with me. And I was like, yeah, what that is is not – I'm not doing that. (laughs) I'll sit right here and quietly accept Jesus. Thank you very much. I'm literally already in the aisle walking. And I was like, is this Beetlejuice? Like, what is happening? (laughs) And this to me, okay, this could go on a whole nother tangent and I won't allow it to because I don't want to get off course. But I just pray that this brings people hope when they get caught up in the free will aspect of an individual Mm -hmm. going on a path that seems unhealthy or down the wrong, Mm -hmm. the wrong way. Because the Lord like fully took over your body. Oh, for sure. He absolutely did. Because I would have kept my butt right in that chair. Like, I'm good. And I'm not saying we don't have free will (laughs) and we need to use our decisions and whatever wisely. But like, there's those moments where it's like, nope, he is still in control. Like he is still in charge. Mm -hmm. Um, And in all honesty, um, she had, you had already had that relationship with him previously as well. Mm -hmm. But it's just clearly that was important to him. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I think it was just like if I were to think of, and by no means do I want to be, but think of being God. It was just like <laughs> I just just get in the house, like yeah. just open the door and walk in, and mm-hmm. I'm doing everything else. Yeah. And that's what He did for me. And I mean, obviously, a testimony could go forever, but right. to come from having a father and understanding love from a parent uh, as hurt and as pain and Mm -hmm. as abuse and then taking that on to myself and then putting myself into 
like uh, um, an addictive lifestyle and sleeping with women and just really doing everything that like you could read in the Bible that would tell you not to do. <laughs> Living that out and then being at this place, looking back, like I could have been de- dead 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. looking that God never, ever, ever calls the people who are prideful and thinks that they're qualified, but he will always, always, always qualify and purpose the people who he has called, which truthfully is everybody yeah. if they would answer the call. Correct. Yeah. And I I can't explain the amount of gratitude that I have for him never giving up on me. I can't tell you how many people have like gotten sick of me doing the same thing or me acting the same way or going back to this this thing that wasn't good for me and they'd be like listen i already told you 18 times i'm not telling you again so if that's what you want to do with your life then do it i don't care but having a god that looked at me every time and knowing that his heart broke for the things that i was turning back to but still seeing what he had for me and still seeing that like there are people who are going through the things right now whenever they're listening to this that i went through 10 years ago that have the same hope that have the same savior that have the same opportunity to relationship with jesus to know what it is to truly be loved to know what it is to be walking in an identity by the one who created you in the first place uh there aren't words to describe what it means to feel actual love now i i can't describe it i just know that it rocked my world when i finally it took two years we had a breakthrough service and I remember feeling it like in my chest, it felt like things started to crack. Mm -hmm. And I thought at that point, like I understood that God loved me, but when I, when I felt it, Mm -hmm. it changed my life. I've never felt love like that before. And I know that I won't ever find it in a person because I'm not supposed to. Amen. And it's not earned. Yeah. It's not earned. We don't have to strive mm-hmm. for it. It's freely given. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to leave it at that because I think that her testimony speaks for itself. I'm so honored that you chose to share that with all of us. Um, I'm sure it wasn't easy, but God got all the glory in that. And I know that it's going to help multiple individuals. Mm-hmm. And I think more than anything, my encouragement to everyone listening, just allow the Lord to be the one that you learn what love truly is Mm -hmm. and allow him to show you Mm -hmm. who he is. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. We love you.